Amen. And how many people are thankful that heaven's going to be a multicultural, the most colorful place on earth, everybody? Isn't that great? And uh, happy Martin Luther King Day weekend to you, and God bless each and every one of you uh, as we celebrate this weekend. And I want to look into the camera and say a big hello to all those that are watching online today. Come on, Heartland family, help me welcome them to church. Yeah! It's a good day. I see so many different faces, some new faces. So thankful you're here. Big weekend. Dallas Cowboys play tomorrow night. Yeah. Minnesota Vikings play today at 3. But I'm not going to say anything because it did not go as well for me last time. So I'm uh, just going to be real quiet uh, in church today. Hey, uh, let me tell you about a couple of quick things. First of all, if you are new uh, with us today, this is your first time. Thanks so much for joining us. So many people trying to start their year off right uh, in the family of God and with their relationship with God. And I just want to commend you for that. Uh, join us for the whole series. would love for you to be a part of what God's doing here. We're in the middle of 21 days of prayer as a church right now. And uh, this is day eight. Uh, we are praying and fasting. So hopefully there is something in your life you're giving up so that you can let God know and spend time with Him. Uh, I think it's really important that you take this kind of ethic in your life. We have resources that are available for you. In fact, we do have some Heartland Church Kids Guides uh, if you would like your kids to be participators in that. Uh, we ran out last week. We have some more printed for you that are available at our Next Steps table today. We'd love for you to join and be a part of that. And, of course, our prayer service is taking place on Saturday mornings all throughout the month, uh, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. this coming Saturday. Uh, thanks, A big thanks to all those who joined us yesterday for that really sweet time of prayer that we had. And then we will close 21 days of prayer with what we call Anointing Sunday. And Anointing Sunday is a really special day where our goal is to just anoint and pray for every family in our church. Uh, and I want you to know if you've never been a part of something like this, it's not weird, okay? I promise you. It's like, what are they going to do? Am I going to leave here drowning in oil? You know, what's that look like? We just believe that the anointing oil uh, is symbolic of the Holy Spirit, and we're just asking God's blessing on your family. Uh, I think it's really, Kendra and I, several years ago, just wanted every family to know that you have the blessing and the prayer of your church. Uh, and so our elders and our team will join me, and that day we'll take some time. It takes about 15 minutes, usually. We have a time of worship and some communion going on, and it takes about 15 minutes for us to pray for every family. It's, it's very simple, uh, but it's just something we believe is really important. And I'd love for you to join us on January 29th uh, for that. And then uh, I do want to introduce this to you. So every now and then we make some decisions around here for different reasons. We made a decision a couple of months ago that the growth track is dead. We have killed it. Uh, and, uh, and so in its place, we are birthing something brand new called the Welcome to Church Party. Uh, this is a two-hour experience on Sunday, February 5th at 6 p.m., and this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I just, I'll be honest, I walked out of Growth Track, and I looked at Kelsey Timms, who's on staff with us, and I said, I was really bored today. Uh, and I said, if I'm bored, they're going to be more bored than I am. Uh, and so every now and then, we just, we just adjust and tweak and so this is going to be a lot of fun. It has our personality and our spirit uh, in a big way. If you are one of the people that's saying, I just want to take my next step. I want to get involved. I like this church. I'm trying to find my place. Uh, what's next for me? Then this is where you start. I'm going to share some vision of our church with you. Would love for you to join us. And so up on the screens today is a QR code. You can take out your phone right now if you want to. Take a picture of it. 
uh, or it'll take you to a link and it'll take you to the place where you can sign up and register and we'll get with you. And we've got food. It's just going to be a fun night. Uh, I can't wait. And so I hope that you'll join us. One last thing. I want you to save the date, all of you who serve on our dream team, for our dream team party, everyone. February 26th, 6 p.m. If you know anything about this, come on. When we celebrate our dream teamers, it's a little insane. Uh, And we go all out to let you know how much we love you. And when we say it's a party, it really is a party. So uh, come hang out with us. If this is going to be your first dream team party, just buckle up. And I will tell you in advance, it is 90s night. Uh, The theme is the 90s. So come dressed up in your 90s garb. You don't have to. But if you don't, we'll just make fun of you. Uh, So, no, that's a joke. Uh, We would love for you to join us. It's going to be great. All right. um, So we're in part two today in a series called, uh, what's it called? Build and Fight. Yeah, there it is. (laughs) Sorry, I forgot for a moment. (laughs) Uh, But I want to say this from the outset of this message today. This message is one of those messages that I'm just going going to challenge you a little bit, Okay. In fact, you're going to get, it's just possible you might get a little uncomfortable uh, today. And you need to know, uh, just say this, say, my pastor loves me, and I love him. Come on, say it again, my pastor loves me, and I love him. Because you might question that at the end of this, I don't know, I don't think you will, but just in case, uh, you walk out of here, I'm going to challenge you, and every week, I, I try to tell you this often, but... You may love me or hate me, but I'm always going to tell you the truth of God's word. Amen, everybody? This is the verse that we've been reading. Uh, read it to you, introduced this to you last week. This is Nehemiah chapter 4. This is kind of where we ended. It says this, After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people. This is Nehemiah talking. He said, Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, And fight for your families. Come on, everybody, say, fight for your families. Fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. And it says, those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side while he worked. Tool in one hand, builders. Come on, sword in the other hand, weapon in the other hand, fighter. Build and fight. How many people know they weren't playing games? They had a mission. So when we started last week, I introduced you to Nehemiah and the story that bears, or the book that bears his name. And our focus last week was how Nehemiah recognized and responded in a season where his nation desperately needed leaders who would step out of their comfort zone. Leaders who would step out and and build back their nation and their future and fight for their families and fight for their children. And last week I talked about how there's no Nehemiah coming here today, everybody. You are the Nehemiah. It's your time and it's your turn. Come on, say, it's my time. Come on, say, it's my turn. Let's say it again with some gusto today. Say, it's my time. There we go. Say, it's my turn. turn. Today, I want to focus on the fourth chapter of Nehemiah. And I want you to go there if you have your own Bible today. You can look on the screens if you want. But I want to talk about determination in the face of opposition. And 
I've, I've actually been working on about four messages this week uh, at different times all throughout the series. I've got just about all the content finished. And so last week and today are really setting me up, practically speaking, for 10 things that you can do in your life to build and fight. And I'm going to talk to you about those over three weeks. And I'm going to show you how some of them are shaping our whole year as we kind of come into this. But today I want to talk about determination in the face of opposition. If we've ever needed determination, it's now. Amen? The only way that you will lead is through determination in the face of opposition. And I want to go to Nehemiah chapter 4. And I just want to read the very first three verses before this happens. And it's going to set up the whole message today. This is Nehemiah 4 verse 1. It says, When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry. Come on, say angry. He became angry and was greatly incensed. Now, let me tell you who this is. Sanballat was a regional governor serving under the king of Persia. Okay? And in, in all truth, he, he was a neighbor. He was not meant to be a formal enemy. And yet, he became very threatened by what was happening in their rebuild. goes on to say that he ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Are they going to offer sacrifices? Are they, will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Ha, 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 L-O-L. <laughs> so here he is at least on some level, publicly scorning and mocking and making fun of Nehemiah and the people. The verse goes on to say that Tobiah joins in. So now he's got a little friend. You know, they're always running to oh, oh, oh. You know those two Muppets, the old guys? that oh, Anybody remember those? That's what I think of when I think of these two. So you'll never forget that image now. Tobiah the Ammonite, who is at his side, said... What are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones. Oh! Isn't that so funny? Mocking. Making fun. A lot like social media today. Which, by the way, has become the new haven for cowards and critics. And when you read about these men, Sanballat and Tobias... And their criticisms. I want you to just keep in mind that all Nehemiah and the people wanted to do was just build back the city. Like they weren't a threat. They weren't attacking anyone else. Their vision wasn't a hostile takeover. They had a vision to build back their city so that they could worship God as we know today as Jesus. They weren't threatening. They weren't harming. They weren't attacking. They weren't hurting. But as they started to build they started getting intimidation thrown at them. In fact, let me say it to you this way today, that the voices of intimidation will always attempt to undermine your determination. Intimidation will say things to you like, what, what do you think you're doing? What do, you, what do you think you're doing right now? You can't do this. You, you can't serve God. You, you can't build. What, what are you thinking right now? Look at you. You are disqualified 
you have, a, you have a past. You are not a good Christian. Your church attendance has been horrible. Who do you, oh, you're going to pray? You're going to now do a prayer guide with your son and with your daughter? What kind of Christian influence have you ever been in their life? You think they're going to start listening to you now? You're a bad mom. You're a bad dad. You've got issues. You're a hot mess. And some of you may wonder, well, I'm, I'm dealing with the voice of intimidation in my life right now. What do I do? And so I want to talk about that today. What do I do about intimidation when intimidation rears its ugly head at me? I want you to write down these three things today that I wrote down. Number one, I think the first thing we have to do is we have to have courage and not back down. That whatever form it takes in your life, you have to push back on intimidation. And you have to make the decision, even today, that I'm going to stay the course even when intimidation is screaming at me. Because I need you to know that that voice of intimidation is not God's voice. It's a voice that condemns. I want you to know that your God is not a condemner. He, he will convict you. But it's never a voice of condemnation. By the way, let me pause here and just say this. For the last several years, Harland Church has participated in what we call our legacy offering. We do it every year. It's the only special offering we take all year long. And it has been an amazing blessing over the years. Many of you know that this offering has gone to help five different legacy lanes used uh, across a spectrum of different places, local missions, international missions, uh, national missions, uh, the next generation, uh, Heartland Vision Projects, where we have percentages that are built in and capped for each individual area. And it's supported mission projects overseas and in our country and locally here in our own backyard. And we've supported youth camps and conferences and projects and vision here. And so I want to share with you the results of this past year's legacy offering. Can I do that for just a second today? So this will give you a sense. Uh, in 2021, our legacy offering, this was... I guess, what now, two years ago, our legacy offering was $273,000. And uh, that was done by 230 families that made the decision, we're going to stand at the wall together. Isn't that amazing, everybody? Like, and we were able to do even more than this uh, over the entire year. And we've just responded to need all year long. And I, I, I guess I'm here to tell you today that we did not uh, do this number we actually nearly doubled it. This year, you guys gave $508,000. Come on and make some noise in this place today. Half a million dollars to go to missions projects all over the world. Isn't that amazing? Never in my wildest dreams would I have imagined. And I'm so thankful. Can I just celebrate the 258 families our biggest response, and I mean, our church is growing, like God's doing an incredible thing, and just people that, what this represents to me is just the people who come and stood at the wall with us, and have said, I'm going to stand at the wall, and I'm going to fight, and I'm going to build, and I'm going to make a difference, and I'm just so thankful for you. Come on and clap your hands again one more time for that. Thank you, Heartland. And let me share this with you. A church's giving habits are directly related to its strength and maturity. And I'm so amazed by what you've done. It's mind-blowing because it's an evidence of the fact that you care. That this is a church that is supported because people care about the mission and the vision and the values. But 
I want to just pull back the curtain for just a moment on this, even in my own life, and just be transparent with you that I would say that the legacy offering season is probably the time each year in my own life where I face the most spiritual intimidation. I deal with intimidation from the voice of the enemy around this time more than any other time. And I, I don't know, maybe if you, you that own businesses or you that are out you know, leading vision forward, maybe we'll understand this. But I can't explain how terrifying it is to cast vision and wonder if anyone will care. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I know that it seems like, you know, us as pastors, we're up here and we're just totally confident where we're headed, but it's not always that simple. Any pastor who's being honest with you would tell you that leading or taking new ground is terrifying. And internally even, there are these, these bouts of self-doubt, you know, that, that creep into the life of any leader where the enemy will try to intimidate you and disqualify you. I've known this voice over the last couple of years that it speaks to me right before I'm about to really challenge you with the legacy offering and say, you know, you realize that people are going to get offended when you start challenging them about giving in this kind of a way. I mean, you're going to make people feel bad is what the enemy said. You're going you're to shame. It's going to feel like shame to them. There's so many people, they already, have, they already think that church is all they want is their money. You're just going to go in there and reinforce all that. And, and I've just had this chatter in my in my ears. And I've had to learn to recognize that that's not from the Holy Spirit. That's not God telling me that. And so what will I do? I'll go to God and I'll say, God, I'm hearing these voices, you know, in my head. Uh, What do you say? And, And I'll hear the Lord say to me, I have a plan. And actually, Dusty, this isn't even about you at all. This has nothing to do with you. This is about my purposes and this is my church. And God will just grace me, and he'll just give me strength. And I'll get up on a Sunday, and, and you'll see strength, but I just need you to know it didn't start out as strength. And you'll see courage, but it didn't start out as courage. Because the voice of intimidation will always try to stop you from fulfilling what God wants to do in your life. And I want to say this. It, it, oftentimes, like with legacy as an example of this, it starts in me. You can't challenge people to give a legacy offering. But then I have no doubt that that now flows into you. You can't give that kind of amount. Are you crazy? You going to trust some young preacher? You know that you're going to trust a church. Are you nuts to give? But I'm here to tell you today that when a new church plant just received a $10,000 check for us in Jacksonville, Florida, the reason that they received that gift is because a whole lot of people refused to back down to the enemy's intimidation. And I'm so thankful for you. And for that, God has given us a plan. He's given us a vision. This church is unified. We stand together. We take ground. And I just put the enemy on notice today that we're going to hurt you bad in the years to come. No weapon formed against us will prosper. Come on, everybody. Don't give in to the voices of intimidation. You can win that neighbor. You can win your kids in your schools. You can win your son back to Jesus. You can beat illness. You can overcome addiction. You can start and write that book. You can walk in freedom. I'm here to challenge you today. Let's be bold. Let's be courageous. Let's obey the voice of the Holy Spirit. And let's fulfill the purposes that God has for our lives. Come on and clap your hands all over the room today.
If God has given you a vision and a plan, don't you dare be talked out of what God has planned for you. Amen. Shout amen today. Amen. Amen. Number two. Let's look at this next one. Be determined and decide what side you're on. Now, this is where it's going to get a little hairy. When you decide what side you're on, it makes it a lot easier to learn how to respond to the voice of intimidation. You know what's so interesting is later on, Nehemiah started praying against these people that were criticizing him. In fact, look at the scripture, Nehemiah chapter 4. It says, this is his prayer, okay? It says, hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. That's a pretty scathing prayer. Some of y'all have like prayed this prayer about your boss. You know what I'm saying? Like, not y'all, hopefully. <laughs> that's a scathing prayer, though. In fact, you might look at that and you'd be like, ooh, that's, ooh, that's kind of rough. But a few verses later, he doubles down on this. In fact, he gives them a name. Look at this, Nehemiah, when our enemies. That's that's what he calls them. There is enemies. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to our own work. He calls them enemies. I want to tell you something. I find that really interesting because here's what I've, here's what I've realized. A lot of Christians have a hard time declaring that there are people actually on the other side of God's plan. You know what's wild? Read your Bible sometimes. And look at how many times God's people pray against their enemies. In fact, when I pray during 21 days of prayer, I'm not just praying for success and favor. I'm praying against every weapon that's been formed against the kingdom of God. That the gates of hell will not prosper. In fact, I'm even doing that today. Bring down every person who is lying and deceitful and is an enemy of God. It's declared I'm an enemy of God. You need to understand that. And it, what is an enemy of God? Who is an enemy of God? An enemy of God is someone who opposes the presence and the purposes of God in this world. Did you know that at one point you were actually an enemy of God? The Bible said, Pastor Dustin, not me. I love God. No, no, no. Romans 5 says, for since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his, while we were his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Before Jesus, that's how he viewed you, as an enemy. And now, as you're living a, a godly life, the Bible says that you'll be persecuted, 2 Timothy 12, to be cautious, to be courageous when dealing with enemies. That's 1 Peter 5. And some of you in the secret place, you need to war that the plans of the enemy in our city and in our nation would be thwarted, everybody. I'm here to tell you today, there are evil spirits that people have allowed to let into their lives 
and the enemy is trying to work overtime through people. And it's not that we don't love people. I'll talk about this in just a second. But we recognize clearly what's going on. We bind back lying spirits. We bind back that spirit of death, that spirit of abortion. We bind back that spirit that perverts sexuality. We bind back that violent spirit, that evil spirit. And we recognize, Romans 12, that we abhor what is evil and we hold fast to what is good. I need to say this to you today, church, because I love you. Somehow the message of tolerance has spilled into the church. And it's not just about people. Now it's about a spirit. It's about a life. It's about a behavior that is directly contradicting what God says in his word. Well, we just need to be tolerant of evil. No, we don't. We are not tolerant of evil. We love what God loves and we hate what God hates. Now, who does God love? He loves people. So we love people. But we hate sin. And behavior. And not only do we hate it in other people, but we hate it in ourselves first. We hate it in ourselves the most. We judge ourselves first before we ever toe the line of judgment in the life of someone else. And I don't know if you know this, but culture has tried to make hate and love directly in contrast or incompatible. But love and hate can actually be allies too. That if you love life, then you should hate murder. That if you love God, you should hate Satan. That if you love truth, then you should hate lies. And the moment you start tolerating sin in your own life, and the more that you start to excuse it in the lives of other people, those are the moments you start cheapening the sacrifice of Jesus in your life. Don't clap for a second. Stay with me. What I'm trying to get you to see is that God has a side. And some people cannot stand up to intimidation because they don't want to take a side. Well, I want to make everybody happy. I've got friends. I've got family on this side. I want to keep the peace. I feel like I need to man the middle. But I'm here to tell you today, you cannot win a battle that you pretend does not exist. And it's not a natural battle. It's a spiritual battle that's being acted out in the natural. I'm here to tell you today, Christians, I love you. But some of us need to get some freaking guts. Real love has a name. His name is Jesus. And Jesus has a side. And he hates murder of all kinds, including babies. He hates perversion of sexuality. He hates the tearing down of the nuclear family. Heaven has a side, and we're standing with heaven. We got to stand with heaven. One Old Testament prophet said this. He said, whose side are you on? Declare whose side you on. I'm on the Lord's side. And some of you, whenever a pastor talks like this, the enemy has you so mixed up that you start thinking in blue and in red. But this is not about blue and red. This is so much bigger than blue and red. This is about the kingdom of God, everybody. This is about the principles that are outlined in the foundation of God's word, which has existed way before the culture that you know today ever has. We are not people who stand on the side for things that God 
God does not stand for. Our church is going to stand on the side of the things that the scripture calls precious in the sight of God. We're not going to stand on the side of people who want to sexualize children and tell a little boy that he can be a girl. We're going to stand on the side of truth. Some people say, well, Pastor Dusty really wound up. No, no, listen to me. Pastor Dusty, I just referred to myself in the third person. I... I'm tired of Christians being more worried about offending people instead of offending God. Like his kingdom comes first. Now listen to me. I, man, I love you, HC. I, I love you. I hope that you know that. I hope that you know that I will always teach you God's word. That no matter if it's popular, no matter if you don't like me for it, but, I, but if you know me, you know my heart. You know, like you've been around a little bit. You've heard me talk. I'm just, I'm here to tell you today, like I feel so strong. we got to stand for what the Bible asks us to stand for. All right, one last point I've got for you today. Say this, say, my pastor loves me. And I love my pastor. Oh, some of you, I'm just kidding. Didn't say it. Here's the third one. you got to stay focused and keep building. Stay focused. In the face of harassment and criticism and intimidation and violence. In fact, I want, to see, I want you to see, this is probably, this might be my favorite verse in all of Nehemiah that I've been reading. This is great. Nehemiah chapter 4. It says this, so we built the wall. And the entire wall was joined together up to half its height for the people had a mind to work. Like Sam Ballot's out there criticizing and he's doing his thing. And Tobias is like, oh, dropping the fox jokes. And, you know, he's comparing us to this and he's giving us a hard time about this. You know what the Bible says? Okay. So we built the wall. So we built the wall. There's all this stuff going on in our nation right now. And we're dealing with all sorts of hostilities. And Christians are feeling oppressed and da 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 So, you know what we did? We built the wall. We just kept building. We just kept building. We just kept our head down. We just stayed focused on what matters most. Oh, it's getting crazy out there, yeah. But I'm going to keep loving people. I'm going to keep helping people. I'm going to keep praying for people. I'm going to keep praying for God's kingdom to be established on earth as it is in heaven. I'm just going to keep building. I'm going to keep fighting. <laughs> there are things we can't control, everybody. We're not going to let that deter us from being builders of the kingdom. We, we can let God use our determination and make a difference in this community and in this world. God wants to use you. I, I don't know what you have determined in your mind that has disqualified you from standing at the wall of what God has for you and for your life. But I'm here to tell you today that you're not disqualified. God's still got a plan. He still wants to use you. But you've got to take your place at the wall. And you've got to start building. I'm not telling you everything I've, I've told you today. and I've kind of been on a little tangent over the last six months of my life. I'm not telling you this. Let me be real clear. I'm not telling you this so that you can get mad at culture. Oh, the world's terrible. It's wrong with people. I'm not telling you so you get mad. I'm telling you so that you can get focused. Like get focused on what 
we're supposed to do. Like, be aware of what's going on, but don't let your mind get discouraged and get, it's just so rough. Don't let the enemy distract you from the focus of what you are here to do. Stay determined in your calling. Yeah, the world's never been like this, but God puts you in this world for such a time as this. And and if he called you to it, then he's anointed you for it. Like there's a purpose in your life. Don't back away from it. Lean in because with God's help, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, everybody. In fact, let me say it this way. Napoleon Hill said, victory is always possible for the person who refuses to stop fighting. And so I'm here today, I guess, to call some people back to the wall. Like, if you've gotten lazy, if you've gotten comfortable on the sidelines, if your habits are not healthy right now, then shame off you. Shame off you. Okay, we can sit in what happened yesterday for the rest of your life if you want to. Or you can get a hammer in one hand. And a sword in the other hand. And you can get to the wall. And take your place. Because let me tell you what the enemy wants you to do. He wants to keep you in the undercurrent of intimidation and fear and discouragement and despair and worry. You need to know today you're in a battle. I said you're in a battle. You're in a battle for your future. You're in a battle for your family. You're in a battle for the family and the kingdom of God. Well, I had a bad church experience. and I, Look, a pastor hurt you. Someone in a church hurt you. You felt like God hurt you. Do you realize what you'd have to give up if you left every person that's ever hurt you in your life? I'm not, listen, I'm not trying to minimize your pain. In fact, I did a whole series on this, but we get hurt. You live life, you get hurt. Just take a poll today. How many people in this room have been hurt by someone else before? There you go. We've got a ministry for this. It's called freedom. Why? Because we all get hurt. I get hurt. Church people have hurt me. Some people are surprised, but that's church? Are you? Yeah. I have people in the church that have done things and it's stunk. I've had people come up to me. <laughs> Out in the lobby, Pastor Dressy, that was amazing. I want you to know, I'm going to be with you forever. I'm with you forever. I'll always have your back. It's like, if you say that, I automatically know you will not be with me forever and you will not always have my back. (laughs) Don't say that to me. So I'll go to Kendra and I'll be like, yeah, Janet said today she's with me forever. Kendra will be like, another one bites the dust. You know, like... If you give up on church because you get hurt, let me tell you something about you. The church has now suddenly become all about you. As long as life is all about you, then quitting whatever it is will always make sense. But when you live life for the kingdom, what you begin to realize is that your entire life is meant to glorify Jesus in all things. Philippians 3. It's one of the verses that has inspired me throughout my life in hard times more than any other. It says this, for his sake I have lost, come on. Everything. See, this is, 
American churches don't teach this anymore because we, we only want a life that's blessed and a life of prosperity and a life that gives me exactly what I want. And we think that going to church is going to somehow just make our life better in every situation. But actually, serving Jesus for many people means that they'll lose everything. To which Jesus says, would you still love me then? If you lost everything for my name's sake. For his name's sake, I've lost everything. But look at what Paul says. I don't care. It's garbage. It means nothing to me compared to gaining Christ. If I have Christ and I have nothing, I actually have everything. You hurt me? I got news for you. As long as I'm building and fighting and knowing Jesus, I'm fine. I'm at the wall. I'm focused. And I want to encourage you today to stay focused. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us. Come on, everybody. We got to stay at the wall. We got to stay at the wall. We got to keep fighting. We can't let our emotions distract us. Take over because the church never stops. I thought about this the other day all across the world. Today, 24-hour period across the world, the church is going to be built and expanded. The kingdom of God is taking new ground. I'm going to talk about it next week, about how ground is being taken all over the world for the kingdom of God. Like people are going to be discipled and the church is being built and people are getting saved and delivered and healed. and We get to be a part of it. We get to prepare the way for the next generation, building young leaders who will prophesy and who will pray. And if we stop building, we stop preparing a place for them. So don't get intimidated by the culture. Don't fear anything. The world needs a strong, mission-minded, unintimidated, spiritually focused, passionate church. Can we be that, everybody? Come on, our vision has to stay big, praying big, giving big serving big, focusing big. God's using us to prepare the way for something greater and bigger than we could ever know. Don't let the enemy discourage you. Let him motivate you, everybody. Realize the time we're living in. We got a window. We got an opportunity. Jesus is building his church. So let's get a tool in one hand. Come on, everybody. And let's get our sword in the other hand. Let's get a tool in one hand. And let's build and let's fight the kingdom of God. We're for it. Sing it out today.
Come on, clap your hands all over the room today. That's an anthem for my soul right now. I'm going to build the kingdom. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for every person in this room today. Every person that is facing the voice of intimidation, even in their own life right now. They have felt disqualified either by something that's happened or a gift that they felt like they didn't have or because they've not been planted the way that they thought that they needed to be. Father, I pray that right now under the sound of my voice that you would call people to the wall and that we would be builders and fighters for the kingdom of God. That it would be something that keeps us awake at night as we think, how can I build your kingdom more? How can I take new ground? How can I win my friends for the kingdom of God? Father, we ask right now that you encourage and we break off intimidation today in the name of Jesus. Let us be bold in our spirit, gentle as doves in our approach, and wise as serpents, God, as your word teaches us. Father, I pray, God, for every single person in this room that you would bring them into a season of maturity in their heart and in their spirit and let them leave out of here in the fullness of who God has called them to be. Not culture, not the world, not intimidated, but Jesus, we declare your purpose in our lives today. In Jesus' name, we declare it. Come on, say amen all over the room today. Thank you, God. Well, I want to thank you for joining us today. I'll tell you very quickly that today is Baptism Sunday. Maybe you are one of the 37 people that made a decision last Sunday to, to follow Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. I want to tell you how excited I am about that journey and that step that you took. There are more steps that you can still take today. One of those steps is through water baptism. In fact, our baptism team standing here today in the hallway. They'll be out in the lobby, uh, out in front of the fountain at the baptism table. If you've not had a meaningful baptism experience in your life, I want to encourage you to take this step. Know that this church is going to celebrate really your public declaration of the private decision that you made between you and God. You're now letting everybody know, I've decided to follow Jesus. Jesus asked you to do this. He commanded you, in fact. And we would love to celebrate that with you today. We've got all the clothing and everything that you'd need to make that happen. And so go out to the table today and either have a spontaneous baptism moment today or you can plan it with uh, Paul and Donna and the team and they'll get it scheduled for you or you can invite fan, friends and family and make it a big deal. I'm so encouraged by our church and how you're responding to this season right now. Can I just say one more time, thank you for your heart to sacrifice, to stand at the wall and to give in our legacy offering this year. We're even this week gonna be re- budgeting some things that we had planned, but because our church has been so generous, we continue to do more vision that's been in our hearts because of the way that God's people have responded. So thank you. When it comes to our regular giving, our tithing, there's different ways that you can give on the screens behind me. We don't pass offering buckets, so you can give online or there are boxes that are in the hallways today. Just do what God asks you to do, and you'll be good every time. I love you, church. Father, I pray your blessing on your people today. Let their families and their jobs and their health be so richly blessed. Let them leave out of here in the fullness of who God's called them to be. We thank you for it today in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody say amen. Amen. I love you. Have a great rest of your Sunday.
go sign up for the welcome to church party if you're ready to take your next step with us.